Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. It is hump day, Wednesday, and welcome to the broadcast. As always, plenty of things to talk about during the course of the next couple of hours. Of course, we will talk about what happened in Michigan. We have results that are pretty much predictable on a number of fronts, but we'll also follow up on something we talked about yesterday, which is one of my favorite categories for president on the Democrat side, uncommitted. How did that work last night? We'll talk about the results from this very aggressive campaign toward the end of that particular primary. And speaking of voting, you know what? We need to use taxpayer dollars to get people out to vote. What do you think about that idea? Now, personally, I think this is absolutely positively crazy, but this is where we are. And you will hear your favorite vice president touting this particular idea. You know, it's it's a real gym. It really is. I mean, these folks, they cannot figure out enough ways to spend, or I should actually say, waste your money. You'll hear about this coming up. Yesterday, we talked some about China And its connection to the Biden crime family. Well, we have another angle to this as relates to fentanyl and organized crime. You know, one of the sad things to me is how we have these things going on. And and one of the unfortunate realities is we really do not have much of a means of addressing this. I mean, I I mean, you, you can pursue some sort of impeachment, but it's not going to succeed. You know that, and I know that. So we'll talk about this particular angle uncovered by someone who's very aggressively investigating these stories and really putting the mainstream news media to shame. On the immigration subject, I think you've heard by now that the president and the former president will be in Texas tomorrow. They will be at the border, two different places. As you know, the border is a big issue, and I think it's extraordinary that Joe Biden has essentially been forced to go down there. I don't think he wants to go. I don't think he wants to be anywhere near the border. But that's the reality. He will be there, and we will talk about Another angle of this, sanctuary cities. You know, sanctuary cities are a wonderful idea if you don't have to pay the bill. Well, the bill is coming due in places like New York City. And it's not just a financial cost. It's a criminal cost, as we've all seen with some of the crime in New York City as if they needed more help with crime. Let's import more people to commit crimes. To the point where we now have Mayor Adams backtracking on the idea of sanctuary cities. You know, they would have you believe that ICE, these are racist people determined to keep the poor, poor refugees and others out of the country. Well, wait till you hear what Eric Adams has to say. You've heard about all the soap opera garbage out of Georgia related to Fonnie Willis and her little torrid affair, which, frankly, I don't care about. I do care about justice. And now we have another angle of what this woman was doing in her office. And it's the kind of thing that I'd love to see expunged from every office across the country. We'll tell you about the toxicity that has been produced from this woman to her employees. And this is something going on to people all across the country in various forms. 
It's funny how the Democrat Party and the Biden campaign, the Biden administration has tried to spin what was communicated by Robert Hur about vice president at the time. Uh, the man who used to be vice president, our current president, they're trying to spin his words and his assessment of Joe Biden's mental condition. Well, now House Republicans would like to see the whole transcript. I have a feeling the White House does not want this released. And we've got Wellness Wednesday for you. I'm going to share something that really kind of set me on fire yesterday. And I hope it does the same for you. As we continue the broadcast, let's talk about Michigan. No big surprise on the Republican side, 68% for Trump, 27% for Nikki Haley. Ha ha. I mean, it's not much of a contest. On the Democrat side, Joe Biden pulls off 81%. Isn't that wonderful? But I'm more intrigued by this. Uncommitted. The uncommitted campaign in Michigan shatters expectations against Biden. There are a lot of people who are just going to, you know, frankly, do what they're told. They're going to show up. They're going to vote for their nominee. Oh, we got to defend the old man. And as you see, most Democrats did that. Joe Biden easily won the primary. This was never in question. What was in question, however, how many voters would register their discontent with Biden's Israel policies by voting uncommitted? Now, the final results will not be available for days, but it was already evident that the campaign in Michigan to get Democrats to vote uncommitted definitely will send a message to Mr. Biden. And maybe a message to Donald Trump as well. The uncommitted campaign hoped to get 10,000 votes in the Michigan primary. That threshold was so easily cleared Tuesday. Uncommitted looked like it would get 10,000 votes in the Republican primary alone. In the Democratic primary, the message far stronger. Soon after polls closed, uncommitted looked like it would even surpass 100,000 Democratic votes, perhaps even 150,000. A clear rebuke of the president's unconditional support for Israel, a major sign of trouble for Biden in a state that was decided by less than 11,000 votes in 2016. They cannot be happy about this. The so-called Listen to Michigan campaign, led by and targeted toward Muslim, Arab, American, young and progressive voters who've grown disillusioned with Biden's handling of the war in Gaza. Perhaps no state was a more fitting venue for this challenge than Michigan, home to the largest Arab-American population in the United States. A recent poll in that state showed over half of Michigan voters support a ceasefire in Gaza. The uncommitted effort was as much about registering anger with the president as it was about spelling out the political peril for Biden if the status quo on Gaza continues. Michigan leaders, Rashida Tlaib and other staffers have called on Biden to support a lasting ceasefire and stop funding military aid to Israel. The campaign attracted powerful and high-profile backers. So they cleared very easily their 10,000-vote goal, still unknown how seriously Biden will take the message. In 2012, when then-President Barack Obama was running unopposed, over 20,000 people voted uncommitted in the Michigan primary, representing over 10% of the vote. He went on to easily win Michigan in a second term in November. But there are signs Biden's electoral problems run much deeper than the problems of his former running mate. A recent poll, a number of them, have shown Trump winning a rematch against Biden prompting Biden allies to warn that such a key state with its 16 electoral college votes should be handled with care. Biden won Michigan in 2020 by about 150,000 votes. The state is a key flip opportunity for Trump in 2024. So I'm entertained to see this. Let's see whether we see a different strategy, 
some pivot by the administration in regard to Israel, whatever it is, these folks definitely do not want to lose. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So I was having some fun talking about uncommitted, uncommitted, wonderful category of voters yesterday evening in Michigan. And this is not a problem that's going to easily go away. It's not going to go away easily at all, which is a good lead in to talking about one of the most important things that the Democrats could possibly do, and that is to bring in new voters. See, not only do you bring in illegal aliens with the hope that ultimately all these folks will be granted legal status, but the people who are here, especially the young ones, you really got to go after them because most of them, you know, they're easily influenced and we can further demonize you know, the orange man, and get people to show up to make sure this guy doesn't get anywhere near the White House again. So it's not so much we have a wonderful candidate on the Democrat side. It's the fact we don't want orange man back in there. And you know what's even better? To be able to use federal funds to get people to register to vote. What a wonderful, masterful plan. Daily Caller, Kamala Harris says college students will now get paid with taxpayer funds to register voters ahead of 2024. Isn't this just wonderful? It's federally funded work study. The announcement posted on X, formerly known as Twitter, the federal work study program intended to allow students to earn money for day-to-day expenses while at college. See, this is a win-win for the Democrat Party because one of the most important things for the Democrat Party is helping to prop up their failing ideological institutions like colleges. So this is a win-win. Not only do you get people out to vote, ideally, but at the same time, you're helping to prop up the educational system. This is just great. I I think this is absolutely hilarious. So the Biden administration announced they're going to have these federal agencies promote voter registration, including posting signage promoting vote.gov at 6,000 Social Security Administration offices, having the Department of Health and Human Services emailing voter registration information to people who acquire health insurance through the Affordable Care Act, and placing vote.gov signage at national park entrances and visitor centers. Biden administration also plans to push voter registration on three dates. The Juneteenth federal holiday. See, why would they do it on Juneteenth? You want to target black voters. This is thought to be Biden's strength. He needs black voters. The August 6th anniversary of the passage of the Voting Rights Act. Once again, targeted toward whom? Black voters. And National Voter Registration Day, which falls September 24th. Now, Biden won 2020 in part from support from young voters. 60% of the support, voters 18 to 29. Biden had 65% support from voters 18 to 24. But now he faces a very difficult election campaign. As Donald Trump currently leads him by 2.1% in the real clear politics average of general election polls in a head-to-head matchup. Trump's lead grows to 3% when Green Party candidate Jill Stein and independent candidates Cornell West and Robert F. Kennedy are included. Let's listen to the brain surgeon, rocket scientist, who is our vice president, talk about this nice little program to promote voter registration. 
We have been doing work to promote voter participation for students. And for example, we have um, under the federal work study program now allow students to get paid through federal work study to register people um, and to be nonpartisan poll workers. As we know, this is important for a number of reasons. One, to engage our young leaders in this process and, and activate them in terms of their ability to, to strengthen our communities. Isn't that just wonderful? Nonpartisan. Keep that in mind. Nonpartisan. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is what's so clever about this. Nonpartisan is great. But you know as well as I do, if you target particular groups, which is what I'm sure they're going to do here, this is going to be profoundly lopsided to bring in potential Democrat voters. I mean, let's get honest here. (laughs) It's just kind of amusing how transparently deceptive, corrupt these folks are. Speaking of corrupt... We're going to talk about another evidence of Chinese involvement in this administration and in this country, unfortunately, to do us harm. More revelations out of Peter Schweitzer. We'll share that coming up. Eric Adams having a little uh, change of heart, if you can call it that, on the subject of sanctuary cities, at least recognizing that, you know, This sanctuary city thing may not be all it's cracked up to be. You'll hear his comments. And we're going to talk about the program promoted by Fannie Willis, training program. You may have programs like this in your workplace. I think they are profoundly evil. Evil. They are vile. We're going to tell you what was going on in the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. As we continue our broadcast, I mentioned later on Wellness Wednesday. Also, we'll talk about Panthers ticket prices. You know, they're doing so well. Hey, I think we need to pay more to go see this wonderful team. (laughs) What do you think? That much more? You know, on yesterday's program... I told you about a new book that's come out from Peter Schweitzer. I look forward to reading Blood Money. Why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans. It's really sobering to me to see how blatant the actions of the Chinese Communist Party are. We now know some of the things that they're involved in. What's sad is the lack of response from this government. These are, from my perspective, these are acts of war. They really are. So what do you do, though, when you have a president who is apparently compromised by this? On yesterday evening's broadcast of Jesse Waters' primetime, the president of J. GAI and a senior contributor to Breitbart News, Peter Schweitzer, talked more about his book, Blood Money. And he basically explained further why Joe Biden has no interest in confronting China about their involvement in the fentanyl trade. Because there are ties between major players in the fentanyl trade and the people who've sent money to the Biden family. Now, one of the people he mentions here, I was quite intrigued when I listened to this. I thought, what a strange name for this person. But this person is called White Wolf. Here's what Peter Schweitzer has to say about White Wolf. Is This very powerful figure, uh, he is pro-CCP. He works with the Chinese government, but he's the head of UBG, this gang. Uh, And this gang is widely recognized as the organization that made the Sinaloa cartel the kings of fentanyl. 
They told them how to make it. They helped them get pill presses. They helped provide communication devices. So the Chinese uh, uh, helped the, the uh, Mexican cartel so they could communicate securely without the Americans knowing. And they also helped them launder their money. Uh, he was partners with this individual, the head of CEFC, who sent $5 million to the Bidens. So the question, Jesse, is does Joe Biden really want to have a conversation about Chinese involvement with fentanyl? I think we all know the answer is no, based on this evidence. It also, though, goes to the Biden family attorney, Abby Lowell, who has legally represented another guy who's the head of a criminal syndicate that is also involved in the drug trade. So there are a myriad of relationships in Biden world with Chinese organized crime connected figures. You know, I hope James Comer is able to get to some of this stuff because this this goes far beyond just the issues with Hunter Biden who is on Capitol Hill again today, by the way. See, I don't think people understand the enormity of this, of a president who is compromised by these relationships, money coming into his family. Peter Schweitzer goes further to talk about this relational connection to organized crime. We talked about the CCP yeah. connections in the United States. Now it's even worse because it includes criminal elements. So in the case of Gavin Newsom, consider this. He appointed as the head of redevelopment in Chinatown when he was mayor a figure who was a dragon head um, in Chinese organized crime involved in the drug trade. He had a guy in his transition team that was involved. <laughs> when he set up China SF... He picked a organized crime figure to partner with him on that. He is surrounded by people that have these ties. This is crazy, folks. So even if you get somebody like Gavin Newsom, here's a guy who also has connections there. One of the things that I don't think this is surprising to any of us. One of the most important things that you can do if you're an outside influencer is to... By influence, by connections, by relational connections. Because this immunizes you from prosecution. This is exactly how the Chinese Communist Party has been operating for years. They don't care about our political delineations. They don't care one bit. All they care about is advancing their agenda, which is... There are really two things here. There's a financial aspect to this, but the other one is power. If they can undermine this country from the inside, they neutralize what they believe to be a threat to them. It's really that simple. It's mind-boggling. And the question is, will we get to the point where there will be a critical mass of people, Democrats and Republicans, who finally... Determine they've had enough. It's no longer acceptable to keep an open border. I mentioned this on yesterday's program. How we are seeing a multiplication of the number of Chinese nationals, young men coming into this country. This is not an accident, folks. Not an accident at all. And overall, on this subject of illegal aliens coming in and the cost we have a major city mayor who's determined you know this isn't working too well calling for a radical overhaul of sanctuary city status for one new york city that city buckling under the weight of migrant arrivals 180,000 migrants and you heard him some weeks ago say that this was going to destroy the city of New York. He's been a staunch defender of sanctuary status, which forbids city officials from even asking questions about a person's immigration status or revealing it to federal authorities. Well, now he's singing a different tune. Here is Mayor Ad Eric Adams. You have to listen very closely as he addresses this subject in New York City. But those small numbers that are committing crimes, 
We need to modify the assembly of the city law. If you commit a felony, a violent act, we should be able to turn you over to ICE and have you deported. It is a right to live in this city, and you should be Did I hear that correctly? Talking about turning people over to ICE? <laughs> that demonic organization, according to Democrats? Yeah. They've realized this is not a tenable situation at all for New York City. Not just the financial costs, but also issues with criminals coming into the country. And this is something that city simply cannot afford. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One of my favorite lines in the I Have a Dream speech, Martin Luther King he talks about the day when we reach a point where people are judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. I don't know about you, but I've been watching the last few years. It's been all about the color of skin. That's all that matters. All that matters. So what's happened is there's a new breed of people who are leading the so-called civil rights movement. It's no longer the, the Martin Luther Kings who are looking to peacefully assimilate into society and have the same rights and opportunities. No, this is a vengeful and hateful bunch of people who basically want the right to pursue vengeance, Revenge, recriminations. Case in point, Breitbart story. Former employees reveal Fonnie Willis's extreme DEI training, forced to associate white with bad, and judges ranked on skin color. Huh. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis subjected her employees to mandatory race training, forcing the entire office to rate black or white skin colors as either good or bad, according to training slides and video exclusively obtained by Breitbart News. A source exclusively told Breitbart, if you didn't participate in the quiz, you got fired. Sources who shared the race training with Breitbart wish to remain anonymous for fear of retribution due to their direct knowledge of the corrupt and hostile work environment inside the DA's office. Sources describe the race training as a directive straight from Willis, who injected racism into the office from the second she got hired. Willis won, re won election in 2020, was up for re-election this November. In 2021, she began probing former President Donald Trump. Dubbed an, um, an implicit bias test, see, this is one of the phrases you'll hear often used in these training courses, implicit bias. So they had a test. A Harvard website generated the diversity, equity, and inclusion slides that made some sources feel ashamed of being white employees. Willis had some guy be live for roughly eight hours. He was a former member of Obama's White House. The training suggested the United States was founded on the sins of white men and the slaughter of Native Americans. One source described, I thought it was so wrong. Willis pulled it off as diversity training, but it was more so an attack on the race relations thing. One element of the training described by a source was a slide test where users had to choose to move an image of a white person to a block that said bad in order to complete the program. It had a word on the left, and it's a box, a word on the left, a word on the right, and an image. I needed to connect the image to one side, which determines your bias. Until you said the white guy was bad, it wouldn't let you move on. It said white bad on one side of black good on the other, 
and an image of a person came up, if you didn't drag it to the white bad category, the white man pops up in the middle. If you couldn't pass the test, they put an X in it, and it won't let you move on. It's crazy. Breitbart News also obtained a race training video that ranked the most racist judges as described by a source with knowledge of the training. The video, which played during the race training session, mentioned Florida, not Georgia, and used statistics not based on Fulton County data. It also spoke about judges being partisans, although judges in Georgia run unaffiliated. The audio of this clip muted to protect the identity of the source who provided it. Here's how the transcript goes. You're set to appear before a judge, but you don't know who. Your best bet will be for the judge to be black and male. Black male judges sentence black defendants 10% less time in lockup than whites, according to 12 years of criminal data compiled by court clerks. But if that black male judge is Republican, that thinking shifts. No group sentence blacks to more time compared to whites than black Republican judges. 69% more time to be exact. Those evil black Republicans. Black female judges are the fairest. They sentence blacks and whites the same amount of time. But black female judges are also the harshest. They send away both black and whites for far longer than any other member group. But what are the odds of getting a black judge? They're not in your favor. Only 28 of the more than 450 judges who preside over serious criminal cases in Florida are black. So the judge would probably be white. If it's a white male, you can expect 20% more time in lockup than a white defendant. If it's a white female, you can expect 10% more time. Politics also comes into play here. Republican judges sentence blacks 21% more time in lockup than whites. Democratic judges sentence blacks to 70% more time. The allegations of extremist training on racial issues, the latest in the D.A. Willis scandal, multiple sources exclusively told Breitbart News Nathan Wade, Willis's one-time lover and fellow Trump prosecutor, was a key decision maker on which employees to hire or fire in the D.A.'s office after her election victory in November 2020. And they were just friends. Remember that. Their relationship had not started in 2020. The accusation of Wade's previously unreported service for the DA's office raises ethical and conflict of interest concerns. Also raises questions about whether Wade and Willis have been forthright about the timeline of their affair. In addition, multiple sources familiar with the Fulton County District Attorney's Office told Breitbart News the Biden administration planted Democrat operative Jeff DeSantis inside Fulton County's office to target Trump. If the Biden administration planted the operative, as the sources say, that would present a strong argument. The administration interfered in the 2024 presidential election. Scott McAfee, the presiding judge of the allegations against Willis, currently weighing whether she engaged in an actual conflict of interest with Wade. The judge previously said Willis could be removed from the case, handing Trump a massive victory. So time will tell. What action will be taken, if any, in this matter? But by what you have heard here, certainly indications this woman and her issues with this relationship are not the only problem. I don't think you're surprised at all by her radical leanings. Still to come in the broadcast, we have Wellness Wednesday. Something really inspired me I want to share with you. We'll talk about what's going on out in Matthews. We're going to have to do an about-face on some of their town hall meetings and how they conduct those. And the Panthers' tickets are going up because the team is doing so well, right? You don't mind paying more. That much more as we continue. Hour number two is straight ahead. Welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. Still to come on the broadcast, we'll talk about something bizarre that happened at a town hall meeting in Matthews. <laughs> you have to love technology. It will tell you what happened and what is in the works to try to prevent 
this from happening again. House Republicans issuing a subpoena to the Department of Justice. They want the transcript from one Robert Hur. Remember his conversations with Joe Biden, where he concluded this guy was some well-meaning old man who doesn't have all of his marbles. That was pretty much what he's saying. Uh, We'll tell you what this subpoena is all about. We'll also get to the Carolina Panthers, because we know that you have no problem whatsoever paying more for tickets for this team that's just absolutely on fire. Don't you just love the sarcasm? (laughs) We'll address this a little bit later on as we continue the broadcast. I mean, my goodness. You, You have to wonder, will people continue to pay the price? You know, even though we have a team that's not doing very well, will people put out the money, continue to? That is the question. First, I want to get to Wellness Wednesday. I've mentioned to you just how this has been a very challenging past few years for me. And I think one of the most difficult things to do is to basically reprogram your thinking. When you've kind of... I guess you can say um, if, if, if you've been in a place where you've had these negative messages just continually flooding into your heart and mind and they've been there for some time, it's hard to dislodge those, this sense of discouragement, this sense of futility. Do you ever experience that? where it just stays at a place where it's sustained for some period of time. And once that happens, it's very difficult to dislodge. Very difficult. I want to give you this disclaimer, not because I feel like I have to. I I just want to explain this to you so that you understand. For those of you who may have other versions, you've not... um, Uh, that you're used to reading and using. I know there are people very militant about Bible translations. Um, The most uh, dogmatic are those who insist on the King James Version. I, um, and I'm just by way of explaining this to you, I have been through, and I'm not boasting when I say this, but I have been through the scriptures multiple times. Uh, I've made it my practice to go through just, uh, systematically for years, ever since I was a preteen. So I'm explaining this. You'll understand why I'm telling you this. And most of that time in the early years, especially it was the King James version. I didn't switch to the ESV until probably 20 years ago and probably the last three or four, maybe longer. I've been using the message paraphrase and I absolutely love the message. So that gives you some context to know Yes, I'm familiar with all those other versions, and I am at a place now where it's kind of cool and and it's neat and it's fresh to have this particular version. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 for Wellness Wednesday. I just want to read this and just share some thoughts from this because it really kind of hit me over the head yesterday. Flying in the face of frankly, negativity and discouragement and a sense of futility. In fact, I probably need to pick this up and read this every day. Probably. What a God we have and how fortunate we have, we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. 
That's pretty powerful, isn't it? How fortunate we are. What a God we have. Because Jesus raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. This is about the new birth. The scripture says if we're in Christ, we're new creations. And because of this, we have everything to live for. This is what I have to keep pounding into my... We have everything to live for. And here's what I think is really interesting. How this is defined, what we have to live for. Because I think one of the common criticisms of Christianity, and I think particularly in the black community, there are a lot of people who have said that this whole Christian gospel stuff is pie in the sky by and by. And I think that is a legitimate criticism of a lot of religion that entirely focuses on the hereafter. But we start here. This life doesn't include a future in heaven. But here's the next part. The future starts now. Starts now. Remember when Jesus came? Did he come and tell people, believe this gospel so you can go to heaven? No, that's not what he said. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom life begins now. This is why this says the future starts now. Doesn't mean everything is going to be perfect. But because the life of Christ is in us, the kingdom life, it starts at the moment of new birth. And God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day's coming when we'll have it all. Life healed and whole. No health issues, no nothing that's going to in any way diminish our journey with him. Now, obviously, what happens in the future is going to be light years ahead and better than what we experience now. There's no question about that. But we have to be reminded, the future starts now. There is a life to be experienced today. Everything to live for. I hope that inspires you in some way, as it did me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I want to tell you about a very important opportunity coming up tomorrow. Can you believe it? February 29th, last day of February I want you to join Breaking Brett Jensen, the first WBT Cigar Club meetup of 2024. 6 to 9 p.m. at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Watch Brett host Breaking with Brett Jensen live. Browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba. And enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of the Vintage. It's the WBT Cigar Club. Thursday, February 29th, that's tomorrow. Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Seating limited, so lock in your reservations today. Email cigar at wbt.com for reservations. Let's go out to a call from Stan. Good morning and welcome, Stan. Hi, Vance. How are you doing today? All right, sir. Yeah, um, I wanted to say when you started this, uh, you, you said that um, um, a lot of people, you were doing this because a lot of people uh, have, have issues. They wake up depressed and all kinds of stuff. and. This was getting the one thing you I was thinking about when you started this conversation is that we you are able to on what WBT is not specifically a religious broadcast, but you're able to in a secular sense you were able to say this and get that out to a mass audience and in most countries around the world that isn't possible. Yeah, isn't it extraordinary how uh, <laughs> there's something to be thankful for right there, huh? I think I lost you. It's uh, something that we can definitely appreciate. I lost you, Vince. Oh, no, that is not good, Stan. I don't know what's going on with this uh, 
this is something perhaps we need to look at. Uh, whatever is going on with this phone sometimes, really strange. Let's go out to Gail. Give this a try anyway. Hello. Gail, uh, good lost morning. lost you also. You uh, lost me. Can you hear me? I've got you. Go right ahead. All right, Vince, I just want to thank you so much for saying the things you did moments ago. Uh, some days we all get upset, especially at ourselves. But God is love, and he, you know, love is an act of endless forgiveness. Mm. And he holds us by our right hand every day, and he will give us help. I think, of, uh, I think all of us try to live in tomorrow and a week away or two weeks, and we should be happy, like you said, with our day today because this is the first day of the rest of our lives. And I do appreciate you so much. I respect you. And um, I know there's days that you get a little upset, as we all do, and we say little things, and we're sorry for it later. But um, don't let that get yourself out of hand. What I'm trying to say is children listen to your program, too, with their parents, believe it or not. But they do, <laughs> and riding in the car or whatever. And a lot of times... Uh, um, they do hear this, and I just want to thank you, though, so much because I think you're harming yourself when you let yourself go off the deep end someday. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Vince. Yeah. Um, we all love you out here, and have a yeah. great day, and God loves you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gail. Very much appreciate your call. What um, an encouraging couple of calls there. Very much appreciate that. I was uh, quite entertained, and you probably heard in the news, Brandon Dixon was talking about this. The bizarre story in Matthews, you probably heard the news, heard the audio clips from this. Uh, less than 48 hours after a heated Matthews Board of Commissioners meeting, town leaders have scheduled a special session. They're going to discuss ways for people to comment during public government meetings. they got to figure out a better way to do this. Because of what happened Monday night. Someone Zoom-bombed the public comment period, spewing anti-Semitic, racist, and what was characterized as homophobic speech for more than 20 minutes. Since then, there's been a debate over the boundary between free speech and hate speech. Commissioners and people in attendance of the meeting, also Matthews residents who were not at the meeting, they're unified in the fact speech was vile and hateful. Question is, should it be censored? Commissioners went back and forth with one another about whether the volume should have been turned down. It was for a time. Nicole Sidman, who's running for North Carolina House District 105 was there. She and others left the meeting after the speech continued. Commissioners split over how the situation was handled. Commissioner Renee Garner said, unfortunately, you know, people were forced to listen, calling the comments disgusting and offensive on every level. Another commissioner, Mark Tefano, said, while he wants it to be perfectly clear, he disagreed with the vitriol. There's got to be a way to protect freedom of speech. We can't shut down speakers based on the sensitivities of speakers or other groups. I'm a fervent, pas passionate zealot for the First Amendment. So this coming Tuesday, they will discuss any changes that need to be made for these public comment periods. You know, this is a good question. What should happen in this situation? Is there a point where you cross a line and it's time to pull the mic? See, that happens here. You may have noticed there are times where people have said things that you did not hear on the air, thank God. <laughs> Whether it's obscenity, whatever it is, and there has to be a gatekeeper here to determine, okay, in our case, with radio, most important thing is protecting our FCC license. So there are certain words that are not going to make air. They better not make air. So the question is that these... Town Council meetings. Should there be 
some type of restriction on the kinds of things that you can say in these meetings. Uh, especially curious if you happen to be there or you watch this live. What was going to your head? And what do you think the solution should be so this kind of thing does not happen again? Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, we talked about what happened to the Matthews Town meeting and some comments that were quite offensive to a number of people there. How is this correctly addressed? Let's go to a call from Eric. Good morning and welcome, Eric. Good morning. What are your thoughts, sir? Hello? Yes, what are your thoughts, Eric? Yes, Vince. Um, freedom of speech is not license of speech. There are limits to all types of speech. You know that. Your radio station advocates that. You have a delay where if I use a profane word now, you guys are going to block it out. So the society must be taught that people say, well, I can say whatever I want. Well, just yell fire in a crowded theater. You're going to jail. So the, the speech that is vulgar speech, that is harmful speech, that threatens speech, that doesn't edify speech, that doesn't bless. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't want to be my grandkids and five guys standing there and they're just swearing like sailors. I would either remove them or I would say, if I can't move, you know, could you just tone that down? I have my children there. So I think the, the school was well within its uh, right. Uh, you, you can't go to school board meeting events and get up there and start cussing out the superintendent they'll put you out so yeah, this... i think we need to just continue to let the society know okay yeah you your your freedom to do, do say whatever you say stops when it infringes upon others and there's a direct consequence to others hearing what you're saying okay uh fair enough eric expressing his view and again to remind you this was a town hall meeting that happened in matthews and the question is what was the correct, correct approach? I think uh, the first time things are said, like if obscenity is used or something like that, it just killed the mic and move on. You know, it's, it's, I, I think one of the challenges is, and, and I think, uh, boy, I've got to say this very carefully because uh, even this can be abused, but, I think, for instance, for a Christian believer, a good part of the time, this is not an issue because our command is to speak the truth in love. And I, having said this, many of the things that I've watched in recent years, allegedly uh, communicated by Christian people, I'm like, e, that person said that. Um, and I think where we get into trouble most especially in this era is somehow promoting the idea that there's something virtuous about speaking truth period not understanding the importance of context not understanding the questions of wisdom we ought to excel at this i mean there and it doesn't mean you don't have to uh that, that you avoid controversial subjects but there's a way to do this that's gracious and invites people in for conversation, for engagement, for relationship. Then there's another way that's just, you know, I'm just going to tell the truth. Then they can't take it. Then screw them. You know, that's that might sound good. It might sound like a bunch of bravado. But again, you have to ask yourself the question. What's your point? Are you trying to be redemptive? Or are you just trying to show off how much you think you know? I took my stand. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> we will see what happens with Matthews. House Republicans have subpoenaed the Department of Justice. They are looking for the transcript of President Joe Biden's interview with Special Counsel Robert Herr. Her released his report on Biden's handling of classified documents. He detailed a five-hour interview with the president over the course of October 8th and 9th, 
The special counsel made comments about Biden's declining mental state, noting he appeared to forget when his vice presidency began and ended, as well as the date of his late son's death. The House Judiciary and Oversight Committees notified Attorney General Merrick Garland of the subpoena yesterday. The committees previously requested the DOJ provide the transcript by February 19th at 5 p.m., but the department did not do so. Of course not. The Oversight and Judiciary Committees, in coordination with the Ways and Means Committee, investigated whether sufficient grounds exist to draft articles of impeachment against President Biden for consideration by the full House. Committees further seek to understand whether the White House or President Biden's personal attorneys placed any limitations or scoping restrictions during the interviews with special counsel Hur, precluding or addressing in potential statements directly linking President Biden to troublesome foreign payments. Well, I'm sure that the president is completely innocent on these matters. Ha. Also on this subject, testimony today from Hunter Biden. This was behind closed doors. He originally said, you remember a few weeks ago, he said he wanted this to be before the full committee and public. But he did indeed testify behind closed doors today. And we've just learned, reported here by Fox News, He testified he did not involve his father in his businesses while blasting House Republicans for having hunted him in their partisan political pursuit and impeachment inquiry into his father. This was a closed-door deposition of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. Hunter Biden said Republicans have no evidence against his father because there isn't any. I'm here today to provide the committees the one uncontestable fact that should end the false premise of this inquiry. I did not involve my father in my business. Hunter Biden testified not while I was a practicing lawyer, not in my investments or transactions, domestic or international, not as a board member, and not as an artist. Never. All right. Hunter Biden speaking out this morning before and after his testimony. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Okay, how many of you are clamoring for... Carolina Panthers tickets. What are your thoughts? Carolina Panthers tickets. Well, by now, you've probably heard the news, and it's not good news. You know, one of the things, I think, in our conversation about baseball some days ago, this is one of the things we were talking about, that baseball is one of those sports that is probably one of the most affordable, at least it used to be. Now, I think people come to expect a certain level of expense when it comes to the NFL. It's a whole lot more expensive. Well, guess what? If you don't think it was expensive enough, well, brace yourself. Panthers Wire reporting. Panthers raising ticket prices in 2024 following NFL worst campaign. Ouch. Come one, come all, to see the team that hasn't had a winning record in the last six years. But you'll have to pay a little more for it. Carolina Panthers will raise their ticket prices for the upcoming 2024 season, despite finishing with the NFL's worst record in 2023. Overall prices expect to increase by slightly more than 4%. Writing for the Associated Press, Steve Reed says the lower level seating at Bank of America Stadium will see the most significant impact. With season ticket prices increasing an average of 7% from last year for permanent seat license owners, the upper level seating will see a blended increase of less than 1%, with 90% of those ticket prices remaining flat. 
premium tickets, which includes club seats and suites, will increase based on the terms in their contracts. In case you did not remember, the Panthers ended the season at 2-15. and 15. Most losses in a 17-game regular season. Also fielded the worst offense in football, averaging just 265.3 yards and 13.9 points a contest. Yeah, that's pretty dismal. I got another one for you, Vince, to about how bad they were. Go ahead, hit me. They did not lead for a single second all year in what? the fourth quarter. Their two wins came on field goals uh, at the very end of the game, which were the clock was expired when they when the kick went through. So at no point over the course of the season did they hold a fourth quarter lead. Gosh, Shout out to the guys at WFNZ for that stat. It's pretty painful. And yet, get a load of this. You're probably aware of this, too. The team ranked eighth in average home attendance, selling off 71,635 seats per game at Bank of America Stadium. 71,635. How do you explain this? Away fans. You think are the that's only what ones it is. there. They're going to see their team play against the Panthers. Exactly. Yep. I know. I was almost guilty of it. I wasn't able to go, but my uh, <laughs> my family, my brother and my dad and his girlfriend, they were guilty of it for the uh, Cowboys Panthers game because we've got family from Texas, so we're big Cowboys fans. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of been the deal. And next year, the Cowboys are coming again. I believe the Chiefs are coming. So. Patrick Mahomes and you know Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, if that's still a thing. Oh, There's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans, Taylor Swift fans here probably. So expect to see a lot of other fans still uh, taking up those seats and paying that 4% extra. Because for them, it's still probably cheaper than going to you know see their teams at home, at their home stadium. Exactly. That makes a whole lot of sense. That's crazy. Uh, in fact, writing in to our broadcast, one of our favorite friends here chris writes in the panthers are doing just like everybody else you pay more and you get less e rather brutal isn't it so um i'm very curious as to whether this will continue and if based on what you're saying uh tommy then there's no reason to think this is going to change it'll be the same phenomenon people going to see uh their favorite team their hometown team they grew up with before they moved to Charlotte. Yep, and at the end of the day, you know, it's, uh, you know, even even Panthers fans, there will probably be some who are like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. But most of them are going to be like, well, this really stinks, but here you go, Tepper, I guess. You know, begrudgingly <laughs> pay it, but they're still going to pay it because, you know, the NFL, for a lot of people, has become sort of like... Uh, you know, a necessity, just a, well, I'm, it's built into the into my budget, and even if it ends up costing more, um, I'll find room elsewhere. Yep, I hear you. We shall see how this uh, plays out in this upcoming season. Time for us now to take a look at the day in history. We have a total of eight items to look at. 1827 was the year the B&O Railroad Incorporated, the first to carry passengers in the U.S., 1878 dollars are made with this material for the very first time. What was it? 1878. Uh, what substance did they use to make them? Paper? No, silver. Ah, ah okay, silver, gotcha. Silver dollars. It's been such a long time that most people probably have no concept of <laughs> such with all the cheap money that we've got now. 1935, scientists at DuPont invented nylon. The patent came two years later for this. 1953, the chemical structure of this discovered by Watson and Crick. Uh, this is what is often used to dis determine genealogy, also used for crime scenes. Uh, the chemical structure of this. It is DNA, and if DNA. I remember correctly, they discovered it in studying cork. Ah, that's really intriguing. Intriguing stuff. 1969, this guy was running for president. His uh, son is running now, but his killer wanted to be executed. California said no. Who did he try to kill? Oh, uh, oh. 
was a presidential uh, candidate can... then, presidential candidate now is his son. Uh, Robert Kennedy? Yes. Yes. RFK yeah. was the person we're speaking of. 1983, this is kind of a trick question. The final episode of this show aired, I never got this show, bored the daylights out of me, based on a mobile army surgical hospital. MASH. The name of the show, MASH. I used to watch that with my dad a lot. I liked MASH. What was I the always appeal? liked Hawkeye. Would you explain this to me? What was the appeal? I didn't get it. I don't know. For me, it was just I appreciated the humor, the writing, the very sarcastic nature of a lot of uh, sort of the jokes. Um, and I think it also just struck a chord with a lot of people who had either, you know, uh, been over there in Korea or knew people that were and that kind of thing. Um, okay. And it, it was relevant, I guess, for them. Fair but I, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Hey, different strokes. 1993, the ATF raided this compound in Waco, Texas. What was the name of the group? Oh, um, that was the Jim Jones people, right? Uh, Jonestown? Wrong group. Or that in South America? That was. This is the group that was uh, David Koresh. Oh, that's the right. Branch Davidians. That's right. That's the name of the group. And in 2013, Pope Benedict resigned. From his position. That's a look at the day in history. That's all of our time. Thank you very much for joining us. And Lord willing, we're back tomorrow at the same time. Have yourselves a great day and God bless you. Adios.